This program is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome. You are listening to On the Minds of Men. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Buckley, and I am here with Stephen Perrine, and he is currently the editor-in-chief of Best Life magazine. And for men out there who don't know about this magazine, it's really a fabulous magazine, something that has information on everything from finances to relationships to sex and really everything that you could possibly want to know about being a successful, happy man. You know, men definitely get the idea. It was always a, a phrase that I heard, when my wife is happy, I'm happy. When my wife is not happy, I'm not happy. And I think that's very much true. Yeah, so men, the, if they get divorced, which typically they're not the ones initiating it, at least for the most part, they have the midlife crisis. And the women, they initiate divorce because, here we go, they're not happy. So there's something to that. And that sense of adventure, that sense of challenging ourselves, of showing off, of being, you know, ever, ever challenged, is an inherent part of manhood. The quintessential idea of the, mid, of the man in the midlife crisis is either he goes out and buys a sports car and gets a young girlfriend, or he goes to Tahiti to become a painter. You know, it, it can be very frightening, and especially for men, the idea of fatherhood and family man can be very difficult because you do feel as though you are sacrificing the adventure of life for the stability of family. It's always good. I'm leaving the party. I get my balls mixed up with some other guy's balls. I get home. They don't fit. I got to call them up. I think I have your balls. So that's always difficult. Unless you might want to keep them. Living the best life you can. What do you think, Steve? I'd say being a happy, successful man, a lot of men are interested in that. Who doesn't want your best life? It's like, ah, best life? I don't want to live my best life. Yeah, it's a good thing your magazine isn't called Okay Life. Okay Life. So-so you know, so life. life. <laughs> Right, we don't want it's, that. And remember, it's best life, not best behavior. So that's... Ah, so, oh, and I think that leads into what we're going to be talking about today. But let me tell you a little bit more about Steve. Steve is also the former creative director of Men's Health Magazine, and he has been writing about, reporting on, and studying men for over 20 years. So he is the perfect person to be talking to on this show. I'm so happy to have him here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And we're going to talk about, really about men. And I think that that's something that's important, something that I think I've missed the boat on a little bit. I want to apologize right now, men. I don't think I have done my full job and served you properly because I have been talking a lot about what you can do to please women and what women want. I know that's information you want. But I also know, and I know this because I heard from a listener who, while he likes the show, made a really good point. And he said he wants to hear more about, about what men want. How do men get their needs met? Enough of men pleasing their women. 
it's important because for men to get what they want, they probably need to make their women happy. But I want to talk about men specifically. How do men live their best life and get the things that they want, whether it's in their life in general or in their relationships or in bed? So, Steve, what do you have to say about that? Well, it's interesting you bring up the idea, first of all, that too much of the focus is on men pleasing women. And Mm -hmm. I think, first of all, you know, men definitely get the idea. It was always a, a phrase that I heard, when my wife is happy, I'm happy. When my wife is not happy, I'm not happy. And I think that's very much true because uh-huh. when our partners are, are happy, they let us know. And when they're not happy, they really let us know. And that's all great, but we don't do the same in return. When we're not happy, I don't think that we necessarily are able to kind of put our fingers on why. So I think a lot of a lot of men do sort of live, you know, as the saying goes, you know, lives of quiet desperation. There's a longing that we haven't quite put our finger on and we can't quite speak its name because we don't quite understand what it is. But I think it's the uh, it's it's what triggers the idea of the midlife crisis in men. You never hear about women having midlife crises. That's true. And and while today 75% of divorces are initiated by women and they happen more and more in the age range that we think of as the midlife crisis range, that area from the late 30s to early 50s, we never say that a woman divorces her man because she's having a midlife crisis. It seems to be only men have midlife crises. Yeah, so men... If they get divorced, which typically they're not the ones initiating it, at least for the most part, they have the midlife crisis, and the women, they initiate divorce because, here we go, they're not happy. So there's something to that. But when the focus becomes on making the woman happy, then where does the man go? And and let's let's talk about that because I think it fits in with midlife crisis. Maybe midlife crisis happens because men aren't quote-unquote happy. Possibly, or midlife crisis, I think, happens for men because when we're little, we are filled with adventure. The reason that, you know, our insurance rates are so much higher in cars when we're younger is because we tend to crack them up a lot. And it's because we tend to drive a little bit crazier. It's the same reason more boys wind up in the hospital with broken arms because we're the ones tying the towel around our necks and jumping off the, you know, the stairwell going, I'm Superman. Mm-hmm. And that sense of adventure, that sense of challenging ourselves, of showing off, of being you know, ever, ever challenged is an inherent part of manhood from our early age. And it's encouraged, too, right. by sports. Uh-huh. And by our own fathers, and by the things that we're we're encouraged to do as men. Well, when we reach a certain age, and we marry, and we have children, we don't often have those opportunities for adventure. So, where our childhoods and our orientation is toward the idea of expanding and challenging ourselves and pushing our limits and testing boundaries, as we get older, we're no longer able to do that. And I think it's a source of great unspoken angst for men. They don't understand why they're not as happy as they should be, and especially successful men. There's so many things. I just want to back up a little bit because you covered a lot of different topics. One thing that you said is because they're not able to do that when they get married and have children. 
if they were able to do it in in some form that would work happens mostly with successful men why is that because successful men are working so hard well i think with successful men there's a there's a different kind of angst there's a feeling of all right i have achieved all that i have achieved why am i not happy because supposedly you drive the ball into the end zone you win the super bowl they hand you a trophy and like yay you go to disney world and you're done and you're happy but what men are finding is as soon as they reach that challenge and they succeed well jefferson put it best when he talked about our right to the pursuit of happiness mm-hmm. nobody promised us happiness it's the pursuit it's the chase that's what makes a man happy not the achievement the chasing Okay, so you know that just brings us right to relationships. So when men are first getting into relationships, they're chasing the woman or women, and there's this conquering, and it's exciting. There's the seduction, and there's the, you know all of that that goes on. So is there something about relationships losing that appeal or losing that level of satisfaction when it is no longer a chase? I think definitely we feel that when the challenge is gone we're left with something that is unsatisfying but i don't think we're able to articulate it or understand it you know why now i have the you know the great house and the great job and the beautiful wife and i love her and she's great and the family's beautiful what's missing why do i feel that something is missing and i think it is because all of those things represent achievement not challenge and even though at the end of the day we want nothing more than to put our feet up and have a cold beer and relax well what we really want is all the stuff that led up to us putting our feet up and breaking open the beer and relaxing we want that challenge so when you talk about midlife crisis is this the definition of midlife crisis when you achieved the things that you were striving for that you were pursuing that you thought would make you happy and you realize oh Shit. <laughs> what, what happened? I'm not happy. What's going on? Are we allowed to say shit on this? Yeah, this is uncensored. Wow, this is a whole new medium. <laughs> That's cool. This is better than morning television any day. <laughs> if there is a definition of midlife crisis for me, it's that moment when the world begins to feel like it is getting smaller instead of getting bigger. It's when the achievements seem to be more behind us than ahead of us. And those are achievements in our careers and in our relationships and in our inner lives. One of the things that I talk about in our November issue, on sale everywhere, by the way, is the idea of how do you stave off the midlife crisis. We sent a writer to Tahiti to follow in the steps of Paul Gauguin because you know the the quintessential idea of the mid of the man in the midlife crisis is either he goes out and buys a sports car and gets a young girlfriend right or he goes to Tahiti to become a painter <laughs> so we're like all right let's follow a guy who really went to Tahiti become a painter and find out what happened to him and what we discovered was that Gauguin's life was miserable he was cranky and he was very much longing to return to Paris and to have that stable life that he had left behind. So it's intriguing to discover that when you go and follow that dream and you achieve it, wrong. 
that's exactly what you don't want to do to fight a midlife crisis, is go and achieve your dream. And that also includes, besides the Tahiti trip, it also includes the sports car and the young women. And the young woman. Yeah. The pursuit might be great, but what is there, what's the old saying? It's not chasing women that kills men, it's catching them. <laughs> so it is not a matter of changing your life. It's uh-huh. not a matter of chucking it all and doing something different. It's a matter of constantly lining up the next challenge, the next goal, the next achievement. What are you going to do next? That's, I think, the key to sort of cruising through the midlife crisis. Okay, this is great because you're on to something here. I like it. It makes sense to me. And we're going to talk about it further as soon as we take a quick break to support our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Listen to Expanded Lovemaking, a weekly internet audio program and podcast for men and women on Personal Life Media. Get advanced techniques that expand your lovemaking bliss. You're listening to On the Minds of Men. This is your host, Dr. Lori Buckley. I am sitting here with Steve Perrine, and we were talking about some great stuff. And Steve is just about to tell us before the break how you can really avoid the midlife crisis or maybe just how to manage it. I would say maybe dull its effects, (laughs) you know. But we were talking about the idea of setting up challenges and continuing to, to chase the next dream, the next challenge, Mm -hmm. and why that is important for men. One of the things that has helped me quite a bit is that I travel a lot. And my wife and I will usually plan out one or two sort of adventures a year. It will, you know, this year, for example, we went to Sicily. And we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to climb a volcano. That's what we're going to do. And we never actually got to climb a volcano, but we found some really cool stuff in the meantime. We wound up finding an island off the coast of Italy where you could um, sit and watch Mount Stromboli erupt. Wow. And we took a boat tour around and watched, you know, rocks spit out of the volcano and crash down into the water in front of us. And so that was pretty cool, but it was kind of a quest. Right. So each one of our trips will have some kind of a quest. And is the actual experience as wonderful as the planning and the pursuing of this quest? Well, the the key is not to plan too much. The key is to plan just enough that you have a general idea of where you're going to stay or what you're going to do if you can't stay there. And that's that's kind of it. Beyond that, we try to improvise a bit. And our best trips have been, or our best adventures have been things that we just improvised. Our honeymoon trip was, uh, part of it was taking a kayak tour of Ha Long Bay in Vietnam, which is one of the, just one of the most romantic places in the world. But not a typical honeymoon spot. Not a typical honeymoon spot. And it became really atypical when a typhoon struck and we found ourselves kayaking through 10-foot swells trying to reach land before we get sucked out into the South China Sea. And um, Vietnamese adventure tourism is not quite up to the standard safety levels that you would find in other parts of the world. So it was a little freaky. 
there for a while. Yeah. But it was an adventure. Well, now that you can talk about now it. Now we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, now that it's all over. But that's um, you know, that's part of it. And, and an adventure doesn't necessarily have to be some kind of an exotic trip. It can be, all right, let's... Here's our challenge. Our challenge is to figure out a way to take our bank account from point A to point B. What does that mean? Okay, well, maybe it means saving here. Maybe it means extra work here. Maybe it means being really creative and coming up with strategies that are going to allow us to save better. Or maybe the challenge is I'm going to keep a journal for six months and see what I come up with at the end of that. Or maybe the challenge is I'm going to learn a new skill. This year I'm going to learn how to rock climb. Next year I'm going to learn how to fly fish. The year after that I'm going to learn how to do an Eskimo roll in a kayak. And the year after that I'm going to learn how to throw a spiral for 30 yards. Okay, now I'm hearing two things here, and I think they're both equally important. And I think that's what you're saying. So if you're in a relationship, of course we're going to talk more about that. I want to talk about how this plays into keeping relationships interesting so there's no midlife crisis within the relationship because we know a lot of relationships can end at that time. Even even if the woman is the one who initiates it, I think there probably is some connection, some correlation between the midlife crisis. So we've got that. And then we also have, okay, individually, even if you're in a couple, to have your own interests, your own hobbies, your own adventures, so to speak. Yeah, you really want a kind of a duality. You want something that the two of you can share. And then you want something you can do for yourself. Now, it's very interesting when it comes to kids. That's certainly a challenge that the two of you can share. A lot of couples, after those first couple years with children, tend to struggle. And part of that is because children can sometimes make you feel like you are trapped. Like the world is not growing for you because all of your energies are going into family time. You know, it it can be very frightening, and especially for men, the idea of fatherhood and family man can be very difficult because you do feel as though you are sacrificing the adventure of life for the stability of family. And while we see it as a goal, as a dream, once we have it, we can find it stifling. Well, because then there's some reality. I think the fantasy of it is, you know, it's much better than the reality sometimes. Sometimes I have to I have to say that I can get in trouble because I'm not saying that children aren't as wonderful as we imagine them to be. I think in some ways we cannot ever imagine how wonderful that can be, how it is to love somebody so much and how much they can add to our lives. But <laughs> by the same token, there's also we have no idea how much energy it takes and how time consuming it is and how it can strain our relationship and how our lives so drastically change. And we're just we have no idea about that. We only think about the the positive stuff, not not all of that really realistic stuff that we have no idea until we actually experience. I think on a day to day, one of the things that men are afraid of. Men are really afraid of negative emotions. Men are afraid of feeling negative emotions in a way that women aren't necessarily. Men are afraid of feeling anger. Men are afraid of feeling frustration. And the reason we're afraid of that is because if you're on the playground and you're seven years old and you feel anger, you probably feel anger because you're about to get into a fight. Or you feel frustration because 
you're you're you know somehow failing at something. And so those feelings, those intense feelings, make men uncomfortable. They're afraid of experiencing them because they equate them with violence. They equate them with danger. And they're both really tied into survival. Absolutely. On a deep level, yeah. Absolutely. Not a lot of seven-year-old girls going knuckle to knuckle on the playground that much. So, although they can be brutal in their yes, own way. Yes, and you know that uh, that new Jodie Foster movie is pretty cool. I understand. <laughs> but when it comes to the playground and 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 childhood, girls anger is not a scary emotion. They're not taught that it's scary because they're not hurt by it as much. They're not getting into those physical confrontations. It's one of the reasons why men like to do activities like fishing in a boat together or sitting at a bar together. If you see two women going out for a drink, they'll sit at a table and they'll sit across from each other and they'll talk to each other and make eye contact with you, not like you and I are doing right now, Lori. Mm-hmm. If two men go out to a bar together, they'll sit side by side. And the reason is if I'm a man and you're a man and we're looking at each other straight on and making eye contact, we're probably having a confrontation. That's what we're, that's our kind of natural instinct. If you're heterosexual. If, if who knows, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> but I'm just wondering if there's also, it, it, it either means one of two things. We're in the middle of Manhattan. There's no silence here. We have noises and we're just going to keep taping. We don't, it doesn't right. matter. I, um, I, whenever I hear a siren, I'm just glad they're not coming for me. There you go. <laughs> That's a good attitude. So I think it could be one of two things. It's either confrontation or attraction, which both could be very scary. Right. And, you know, of course, for men, I I, I can't imagine that I'm, you know, as a guy, I'm attracted to you, other guy. And so the holding your gaze and holding your gaze only because I'm confronting you. So that's why men avoid those kind of straight on confrontations. It sets us up for an inability to have a straight-on conversation with a woman because we're simply not used to communicating in that way. It frightens us. Uh-huh. So women are, it's just, it is something that women are comfortable with and men aren't. God, I'm just thinking the, the word passive-aggressive keeps coming, <laughs> popping into my head. Because, Why? How so? Well, it's two words, by the way. Oh, <laughs> passive. Thank you. He is the editor aggressive. after all. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. The idea that if a man is afraid of confrontation, will avoid it at all costs, is it just easier to say, oh, yes, dear, yes, dear, that anger goes somewhere and it, it sort of becomes this indirect hostility? I don't know. You decide. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I think that's true. What do you, whatever you say, Lauren? <laughs> He's being passive aggressive. It's not happening yet, but I just wait. It'll, it'll happen. I don't know. I think within the next few minutes, we're going to see it. So everybody listen for it. But, you know, it's it's absolutely true, and then certainly when you know, with my wife and I, I, I definitely drive her crazy with my unwillingness to make a decision. And part of it is also because uh, because men don't like the idea of confrontation, we really are kind of a little bit easier going in that in, in some of those realms, like the blue one or the white one, whatever. We would much rather have the decision made for us than have to make a decision because we'd rather be, in a lot of cases, slightly dissatisfied Mm -hmm. than confronted with choice. So let's take that and bring it into the relationship because I think this is all, it's all tied into what we're talking about, men's despair, their unhappiness. And doesn't that add to it? If Now, I, I agree that there are times when it is much easier and even better to just 
and be maybe slightly dissatisfied. And, you know, so we'll make, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you know, the blue one or the white one. Whatever, I don't care. Right, no And biggie. then we get the blue one. And then uh, the ottoman or the side table. You decide. And then we get the side table. Well, over time, right. a few <laughs> years go by and we're a few years in the relationship and we look around and what we see is an entire room. <laughs> or home. Metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. Filled with compromises. Right, right. Because we didn't take those little confrontational moments and assert ourselves and say, this is what I truly want. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for guys. We just simply are taught that confrontation is bad and dangerous and must be avoided. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, well, not exactly. How, do, how can men, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go straight into sex right now because this is important. <laughs> how do I getting from that to sex? Hear me out. You'll see the the passive aggressiveness might be coming up soon here. So <laughs> listen carefully. Whatever you say, Laura. <laughs> oh, no, I'm in trouble. Okay, so men always doing what the woman wants, trying to, not, not always, but for the most part, men know if they want to have sex that they need to seduce the woman. They need to make sure she's relaxed. Now we're telling men to wash dishes. You know, now we're telling men to help around the house. Men need to give women lots of time. They need lots of foreplay. There's all of these demands being put on men to make their women happy. And in some ways, that's not even a compromise. I think in some ways, does that mean that their own needs, while it seems that this is a means to an end, which is mm-hmm. their needs being met, is it really working out that way? Is there a lot of resentment? Because I'm, I think there is. I mean, that's just what I see. I see a lot of men talking about that. Where, well, wait a minute. What about what about me? If we only have sex when she wants to have sex, and if she wants to have sex, it's this whole big ordeal. And if I say something wrong or do something wrong, you know, forget it. And how do men get those needs met? As a man, you can't always deny your sort of feral nature. And I think it is absolutely important to do the dishes and help with the laundry and diaper the child and give lots of foreplay and ensure that there's 800 thread count sheets on the bed and fluff the pillows and buy the chocolate and whatever (laughs) else you may need to do. At the same time, it's also important to do something else, which is every once in a while, be aggressive. And that might mean simply walking up to the woman in your life and, you know, taking a handful of of her hair in your hand and giving her a big hard kiss on the lips and saying, I just want to remind you, I have something I want to do later. Or something of that nature that is assertive, but at the same time doesn't necessarily push it, like you have to have sex now. What you're saying is, I can be and want to be very masculine and very aggressive, and I'll, you know, and this is, you know, the motor is running, let me know when you want me to step on the gas. And I can say as a woman, I think that would work. I think it's great. So maybe there's a combination there where men want to do these things to make their woman happy. But is that okay? Because in the end, is he getting what he wants from relationships, from sex? I think that depends on the man. It depends on the woman. It depends on the relationship. And it depends on, you know, the time of life. Look, my wife and I have been married now three and a half years. And this is my second marriage. It's her first. So there are times when we haven't had sex in, you know, a week or so, 
And she's like, yeah, we haven't had sex in like a week or so. And I'm like, it's normal. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It'll come back. Right. There's times when it's stressful and nobody's really getting any action. And that's okay because it's cyclical. There are times when one person's out of sync or the other's out of sync. And there's other times when the weekend's free, work's going great. You're feeling and looking good, and all you want to do is spend the weekend between the sheets. And that will happen as well. It's not always like your first few months of dating. Right. But every once in a while, mm -hmm. it is like that. Yeah, I agree. So to know that for the most part, there are times when it's, it's wonderful and exciting and hot, and there's a lot of sex and good sex, and there are times when... Not so much. But I also think that what you said, it depends on the relationship. There's so many different variables that come into play there. And there are men, though, who do sacrifice, compromise, whatever the word may be, <laughs> abandon their sexual desires. And, and, and I don't mean about just having sex. They might have sex. But what if they want more oral sex or they want whatever it may be? How do they get that? Do they ask? Do they just ask? And why don't they? You're talking about men? How yeah. do they get that? No, no, wait. I, I'm going How off on a tangent. How do men get more I'm oral sex? <laughs> Listen, if I had the answer to that, I would be a very wealthy man. I would just put, hang a shingle out, <laughs> oral sex guy, how to get it, $200 an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's what I was asking. I don't know. I just I went off on this thing, and I don't know where I was My going My parents with it. are going to be so proud. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm saying here is something something's missing. This is how we started. We're back to square one. This whole circular thing. Right? It, There's something missing in men's life. We know that they can travel and have goals, you know, common goals with their partner, which I think is really great. Individual goals and things that they want to learn. We know that is a good thing and I'm just recapping things that you've said so far. Uh we also know that yes, they do ideally want to make their partner happy because then they're going to be more happy and i do think that that's true mm -hmm. i mean this isn't about just checking your balls at the door and, and abandoning all of your needs it's about getting your needs met in this other direction i'm just imagining like a ball check <laughs> ball check sorry sorry sir you're gonna have to check those balls i think i heard that line on uh I think I heard that from Desperate Housewives. Check I think it was on. Yeah, I think that it was. It was a good line, right. and I think it was. From it's Desperate always Housewives. good. I'm leaving the party. I get my balls mixed <laughs> up with some other guy's balls. I get home. They don't fit. I got to call them up. I think I have your balls. So that's always difficult. Unless you might want to keep them. It's very. It's very. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do so I try to keep them with me at all times? <laughs> that's good. It's just easier. Yeah. Really. That way. You definitely want to keep your balls on. Don't check them. Keep, yeah. Keep them. Yeah. Good. Good advice. Wise words of wisdom. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think, no, you shouldn't <laughs> be asking for sex. It's not like a birthday present, although it can be. But I mean, you know, if there is a one key to helping guys just sort of avoid difficulties of midlife, it's don't forget your inner cool dude you know like don't forget the dude you were 19 with your cool new denim jacket and when you discovered you know 
Ice Cube or KRS-One for the first time, and you were, you know, driving a beat-up car, but you were blasting your music and wearing your sunglasses, and and everything was groovy. Like, don't let go of that. Just because you are a responsible adult doesn't mean that inside of you there isn't, you know, a dangerous and irresponsible adult simmering and and brewing. But don't just like take him out and let him run wild, because that's how you get into trouble. Right. Let him simmer and let him be especially a part of your relationship with your partner. I like it. And, and you're saying you don't have to go to Tahiti and you don't have to get the sports car and the young girl. Well, it doesn't work anyways. But to create these things. And what did you say? I like it. Be be your, remember your what? Your, your inner cool dude. <laughs> yeah. Remember your inner cool dude. It sounds so much better when you say it. But yeah, I like that. And so can you do that in the context of a relationship? And even though you're a father and even though you're successful and even though you're a husband, I think so. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you've given us some great ideas on how to do that. I have a motto mm-hmm. for like when I get dressed to leave the house. I look in the mirror and I ask myself, would Keith Richards wear that? <laughs> and if the answer is no, like if I'm wearing... You know, shorts and white socks and sandals. I may need to reconsider, you know, my approach, and that's part of it. Don't like compromise. Don't think that you have to, you know, join the beer belly club. Don't think you have to, you know, join the, you know, super pleated pants pulled up to your nipples club. <laughs> you know, it's it's right. it's fine to sort of, you know put the emphasis on feeling good and looking good and being happy with yourself as an individual. Yeah, I agree with you. And the sense of adventure can be, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be traveling. It's something that is internal, like Mm -hmm. your internal cool dude. So your sense of adventure can also be, it's something internal. It's something about who you are, not what you do so much, although that plays into it, but really who you are and the attitude that you have. And you definitely have that attitude. It's clear. Thank you. I'm wearing Keith Richards' uh, costume right now. Uh, crazy long shaggy hair, headband. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, you know, heroin addiction. It's going great for me. <laughs> yeah, right. I would say that what you're wearing right now, I don't think Keith Richards would wear, but you look hot. Well, you do, you. yeah, yeah. Thank Steve you. is a very handsome man. He's we, got a tie on, and he's got—he's just—you should see his shoes. He's got nice shoes. He's put together. He's put together well. We yeah. did a story in Best Life um, earlier this year called "Why Is Keith Richards Still Alive?" And it was—we wanted to find did out. Did you the think question. of that? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, been a pressing know. question for me for years. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's investigate. And we sent our writers out to figure it out, and. Um, they took sort of a mythical journey mm-hmm. to Tahiti. Ironically, back to that. But do you remember last year, Keith Richards got bonked on the head with a coconut? No. He was in, I believe, he was Tahiti or New Zealand or somewhere like that. Probably Tahiti. And he got bonked in the head with a coconut. And it was, you know, it original reports was that he was really very, very badly injured. And no, he's impervious <laughs> to injury. He can't be killed. Why is that? And, you know, we did a bunch of research and we came up with this. Well, he used a lot of drugs, but he generally avoided the really killer drugs like cocaine. And 
he, you know, went through a lot of tough times. But on the other hand, he's also been married for almost 30 years to the same woman. And so, you know, he's been through a lot of, you know, career ups and downs, but he's been with the same group, the same band for, you know, since the mid-60s. Well, the reason Keith Richards is still alive is because he's happy. And that's the magic. He may seem to have a destructive lifestyle, but not really, because he's just happy. And every day, he's probably getting up and going, <laughs> Keith Richards, mate. And I'm happy about that. So Yeah, and I would imagine there's some of our listeners are thinking, well, if I were Keith Richards, right. I'd be happy right. too. <laughs> but you know what? You can get up every day and go, all right, you know, uh, today I'm going to be happy. I'm Steve Perrine. Damn it. And you know what? You are, Lori. <laughs> I'm happy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think a lot of it is, it's the it's the inner cool dude. It's your attitude. It's how you look at things. It's how you approach things. And I think if you think of yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm liking, I'm going off on this thing. If you can think of yourself as, as you know, this, this cool dude and somebody who loves life and just think of yourself as somebody who's happy, what would a happy, cool dude person do? I think that right there is the first step. Yeah. And, and the genius thing about having with, uh, you know, wives and children is that they will prevent your, you from getting too cool because they will continue to put you in your place. <laughs> yes. And sometimes we need a little bit of that. Exactly. Otherwise, you would end up in Tahiti. A little bit of ego check. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. So I think you've given our listeners some great tips and some great advice about how to... Well, let's make life a little bit better, live your best life, and that is definitely something I think all of our listeners want to do. And when you do go through these these stages in life, we can call it midlife or times when you're wondering, okay, what now is that all there is, to think about some of these things. And I think that that can really be helpful, and that can be helpful in your relationship. It can be helpful in bed. So things to think about, and I just think it's it's great, great advice. Now, Steve, if somebody wants to get a copy of your magazine or subscription because it is a great magazine best life is really all about maximizing your your physical mental emotional and financial health and sexual health so you know obviously a newsstands everywhere particularly you know borders or barnes and noble or go to bestlifeonline.com where you can get a good sample of what we're all about and it, it is a just a fabulous magazine, and, and I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm just thrilled that you were here to talk with me today because it was really fun. Nice talking to you. Thank you, Lori, and I'll see you out at the Bowl Check. Find more great shows like this on PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, this is Dr. Lori Buckley. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my show, and I also want to welcome my new sponsor, Audible.com. Now, Audible is the largest provider of audiobooks online, and if you're busy like me, which I think you probably are, and love books but don't have the time to read, Audible is the perfect place to go. With over 40,000 titles, you're going to find exactly the books that you want to read. They've got books on sex, erotica, relationships, novels, everything, and I love it. I listen to it while I work out, I listen to it in my car, and it's just a fabulous resource. The good news is, if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash men, again, that's audiblepodcast, one word, dot com slash men, you are going to get a free trial offer. You only get to do this once, but when you go there, you get one free book. 
If you cancel by the end of the two-week trial period, no penalty. You still get to keep your free book. What a great opportunity to check this out. You're going to love it. After that, for $14.95, you get one book credit every single month. And you can listen to it whenever you want. No hurry. You own those books. A great way to add this information into your library without actually having to read a book. So go there, audiblepodcast.com slash men. Help me support my new sponsor and get your free book. Thanks, and I'll be talking to you soon.